This is The Real Good Podcast. My name is John Roebuck and with me is Derek Busy Living Armstrong. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. And Blake Busy Dying and what's your last name? Curtis. (laughs) This episode is called There's No Way That Red Would Have Remembered the Name of That Town After One Conversation About It. And that's because we'll be talking about the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, that's so true. After a rocky start (laughs) during its cinematic release, Shawshank has gradually gradually become one of the most beloved films of all time. We want to talk about why, and I'm going to start with you, Derek. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think I had the same reaction that most people did when it came out, which was, I actually don't think I saw it in the cinema, um, which is, I, I could have, because I was 20 years old then, but <laughs> but I now, didn't. If we haven't yeah. s- established this on this podcast. Okay, yet, I'm Derek old, we know. <laughs> I've been up for parole every decade for the last 30 years, and, and I'm, I'm an old man now. No, um, so... I didn't see it in the cinema, and I don't think I saw it in time for that year's Oscars or anything like that. Ga- gained my awareness of it, like, kind of steadily. I think I saw it within a year or two. Mm. Really, really liked it, and then kind of deepened my appreciation of it as it played on cable, you know, back in the late 90s. And remember the, remember a time in our lives when you saw things because they were playing repeatedly on one of the uh, yeah. the movie I, stations yeah. or something like that? It seems like it's kind of gone because you don't really have – everything's appointment-related appointment, appointment related, uh, viewing nowadays. That was a great time. Viewing. In but, Australia, what would happen with us with Foxtel because we used to get it as kids. Yeah. We didn't have the movie channels, so yeah. every now and then my dad had just flick. porn. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. My dad every now and then my dad would flick over to the movie channels, yeah. and every now and then you'd get like a month free, uh, and my yeah. dad would be like, "We got the movie channels." Hook so up we the would VCR. Just record everything <laughs> that was on. Yeah. This is a podcast about your dad, Blake, or Shawshank Redemption. Hey, this podcast can be about wherever it goes. <laughs> no, no, but so 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 you like everybody else. No. <laughs> Well, not not like I love every- you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too, Mister Curtis. Uh, does he listen? Yeah, uh, no. Cool. <laughs> um, like like most people, I I came to really love it, but I'm trying to figure out if uh, if you guys are in that category also. Yep, Blakey. Well, Sorry. yeah, no. I just, there's a really interesting story about that. I can't remember who exactly it was, but I know that someone that associated who was associated with the film, I think someone who pumped some money into it, also was um, like one of the key people for. Um, like a cable network. So what oh, what yeah. happened is they sold the film to themselves really cheap, and that's why mm. it plays so oh. much on television. Is because this guy just gave himself the right so that they could flog it on television. Well, it was a it wasn't that, and that's um, where its success came. Yeah, from. and it wasn't that successful at all in the no. cinemas. No. Um, and Which then, but it yeah, did get a best picture nomina- came, yeah. nomination. Yeah, um, home video and cable. It just uh, really took off. Mm. And I remember seeing it in um, in high school at some point and loving it. And then watching it to death to the point where I rewatched it for this um, uh, podcast, I just couldn't really enjoy it as much as yeah. I pr- probably deserved because I'd just seen it so many times. And um, I mean, I could recite it off by heart. Well, almost. it was, uh, I used to say about it, and this is what I also said about one of your favorites, John Dumb and Dumber, is that if <laughs> I ever caught it on TV, I had to watch it until the end. Mm. Like if I just came in yeah. at, at any point, I just I just left it on and continued watching it because it is extremely captivating. It, this, but, so so yeah. what do you think it is about? I mean, I think it's still number one on IMDb Top 250. Yeah. People love Love this film, and it's a film about guys in prison for twenty years. It's a two and a half hour long film. It's a yeah. pretty grim subject matter. What do you think it is about this film that captures people's you know attention? I think it really toes the line really well between being family friendly and also being right on the verge of I think being the rape scenes are family friendly. Well, it's not real because it. it... <laughs> I don't it's know. adult subject matter, but that younger people could probably yeah. handle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's that really fine line. I, I feel like it's almost like a gateway adult film. Like mm. a, okay. almost like the first film that you would want to show your, 
kids who are now getting to the age where they can start to watch more yeah. MA. And that's about the age I was when I watched it. Yeah. yeah. I remember I watched uh, This and Usual Suspects around the same time and then both blew me away. And I rewatched Usual Suspects about a year ago and it's awful. <laughs> it's like a, it's just, a, anyway, I'll get back to Shawshank. But yeah, and this, yeah. this film is. And on top of that, it definitely appeals to older, like the older demographic, like old people, because they just love that kind of glossy old shit. The old bullshit. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, thing, the, thing that's, the thing I think it's so interesting about it I is know. that. Yeah. <laughs> It isn't technically... We'd like to dedicate this episode to all the old people out there. (laughs) Speaking of which, go on, Derek. If if your little sideshow is is done here. (laughs) um, uh, It's one of my favourite films that is not really technically distinctive in any given way. Mm. It it does have Roger Deegans as its cinematographer, which I didn't actually realise until this viewing. The cinematography, Um, the music is incredible. incredible. Yes. Okay. So it has it has <laughs> the elements, but, but but none of those elements are um, groundbreaking per se. Okay, and none of them yeah. to, in order to um, elevate the film as high as it is. And here's I have a. I, I actually think the music is okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm with John yeah. on this one. Yeah. I, I think the music was uh, Thomas Newman's first. Re- it was Thomas Newman's first really big score. And I think um, the music goes a long way in establishing atmosphere. Hmm. It's it, it, yeah. It's well. It's funny because I actually music. don't think I could actually hum you. The uh, any of the main themes right now yeah. sitting here, even though I've seen the film probably six times, including just four days ago. Well, it's funny. I, I agree with you, Derek, but I also want to, with sometimes like that, where the music is better when you aren't as conscious of it. I think of it almost like editing sometimes. I understand that sometimes it's good to have a big, you know, a big score. Like I still know the Interstellar um, uh, yeah, score yeah, really yeah. well, and I love it because I think your ears are it. still ringing. Yeah, <laughs> but there are some films that I think that maybe less is more, and underplaying it, kind of like if you're unaware, the concept of with editing, which is the parallel I drew, is that if you're not conscious of editing, the editing's doing a good job. And I one and I sometimes That's I call it the invisible art. Correct. And I sometimes wonder if music is should be thought of in the same vein. I think there's uh, arguments for both school of thought, and I think you're right in this. It's it's not super noticeable music. I notice it because I'm particularly into film scores. Um, but, what, but I think you're right. I think it, 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 it augments the scene without being too intrusive. Yeah. Not to not to to uh, poo poo music, but do do you really think that music in and of itself can be considered a technical? Okay. Yeah. A no. technical groundbreaking um, element. I, I guess my point is, I'm trying to say this is just an extremely yeah, well made film. One of the things that I think, and I think what it it does, it excels at everything it does, but it doesn't, it's not showy in any way. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting about it is it's, it seems like, and this is probably a script thing, the sequencing of scenes is almost, is just perfect. Like you, the information is doled out in Would, exactly the correct do, order. Do you know what I was, I was watching it last night and it's quite an episodic film, yeah. but it never mm. feels particularly episodic. It's only when I sort of really sat and thought about it, like, oh, that this has happened and then Brooks happens and then yeah. um, Billy happens and... You're kind uh, of waiting for this part. When's this part yeah, going to come? Exactly. When's this part going to come? But it's still yeah. somehow, even though it is like startlingly episodic, the more I thought about it, it really does maintain a strong uh, line of narrative. And I think maybe that's sort of um, Andy Dufresne's, uh, you know, maybe sort of personal evolution. Yeah. Um, and well, it's it's also it's Frank Darabont's debut, isn't it? Yeah. As as even as it started in the first ten minutes, my, my first note was a very confidently directed yeah, film yeah. for a debut. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. He, he 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 wasn't a brand new. Uh, he wasn't he he'd done he worked been as an assistant bit, director yeah. and a yeah. bunch of other things. But I still, assume, yeah. But well, I, and yeah. I think on what your note was as well is it did. Now that you've said that, I think it was very textbook. I yeah. think it was very formula not formulaic. Well, best kind of formulaic, but I still do think. 
like I love this film and I don't want to say that I'm not but it's it's you're right and you, the, you're making me more and more aware of it. it's it's like a well, it's very de- it's very determined with its storytelling. It's it 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 gets the information across. Sometimes in duplicate, I actually notice like um, this is one of those films uh, that is worth talking about because of the narration. Also, mm. um, narration is often considered to be a crutch in a film, and a lot of times you, it goes against the the show don't tell uh, main uh, principle of filmmaking. A um, couple notable exceptions, you know, being you know Goodfellas, for example. You you couldn't imagine Goodfellas without the narration. You couldn't imagine this film without the narration. However. I noticed that uh, I noticed on this viewing that the narration me, duplicates the dialogue on a number of me, occasions. Me too. This is the yeah. first viewing where the um, the narration has bothered me a little bit. So they have the de- there's yeah. that scene where they have the delousing, and then immediately Morgan Freeman's ca- character has to refer to that white delousing shit that they throw on you. Like we just found, and the, the, you know they throw the white stuff on him. The guard says delousing, and then in the very next you know shot, Morgan Freeman's saying that delousing shit they throw on you. Some of that stuff I think maybe is more like shows the kind of lack of uh, of experience of someone like Darabont. Like I've got to get I'm not I'm not a hundred percent confident in all the images I'm giving you, so I'm gonna make sure that you understand this information. Um, there's there's a there's a couple there's also the later on Morgan Freeman says, I'm an institutional man now, just like Brooks was. I don't think you need the just like Brooks was because we had that whole thing and Brooks, Brooks said it. I think it, there's a few more, a few lines like that they could have just left hanging out there and they would have been better. Well, I honestly think you could have done away with the whole narration. This is, it, it, it really stuck out to me, this viewing, the narration. Well, I think it's one of those things as well like we were talking about before is, 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 it very, is very much a film that appeals to everyone and I think this is one of the ways that it does appeal to everyone is um, the idea that I think the my some of my favorite films some of the really big blockbusters they will repeat information for people who have missed it they will you know they yeah. they, they rope everyone in mm. which is really interesting because I think you can enjoy this on one level and then other people are enjoying it on a completely different one well I, what I'd like to ask you guys is for a film like this that gets a lot of uh, of praise there's also a lot of um blowback against it because I think I think real kind of hardcore cinephiles that fancy themselves to be you know fans of the French New Wave or you know uh, like us like <laughs> us uh, or other you know niche pockets of, of cinema that are, are kind of artsy really look down their nose at, at Shawshank and they we, think that the people who love it are kind of well, do you know, inferior. I, 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 actually, well, I, I actually went through a bit of a stage where I you know I, I loved it when I first saw it and then as I thought I was developing as this sort of you know film uh, you know critic yeah. I, I went through a stage when I sort of shunned it for a while. And then I really thought about it, and I think what what makes Shawshank Redemption a, Redemption a masterpiece is it's easy enough, not that I'm a particularly good filmmaker, to make people feel shit, yeah. but I think it's really tough to make a grim movie uplifting. I this agree. is a movie about guys, a two and a half hour movie about guys living, wasting most of their life in prison, an innocent man, and it's uplifting. And I can't think of too many other examples mm. of movies that are about a grim subject matter that you leave mm. feeling uplifted yeah. and like that is why the well, not only uplifted the scene on the beach at the end like yeah, yeah. That, uh, that try scene to, try not to cry the, during that in scene in the rain <laughs> when he escapes is one That's of those beautiful. Uh, triumphant scenes in mm. all of yeah. even though I was a bit n- uh, numb to the Shawshank Redemption this, view, this viewing when he gets crawls out of that sewer and he's in the rain and he rips off his shirt now there's a scene that's a powerful example of yeah. how a music can augment a scene mm-hmm. yeah and like I mean, I can't think of any example off the top of my head of a movie like that that does that. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that's what a lot of people do do, and I think you've really touched on it, is it's it's harder to do what's... um, To make 
things uplifting than it is to 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 make it grim, especially and when it's about what the Shawshank Redemption is about. Yeah. Correct, and I think that what that what it and this is my type, my favorite type of film uh, is the idea that um, everyone deserves to have a voice. Mm-hmm. And even though I guess in this film it's the idea that the person talking is a simple person, like it's a simple concept, it's a simple idea. Everyone deserves to have a voice, and and we. I don't. I hate that idea in films. Is that you get a lot? It gets lots of films like this get backlash, and I think that's mm. one of the things like what's happening right now with La La Land mm. is I think that's getting a lot of backlash because of the simplicity, simplicity and simple nature of the story and the happy notion that it's presenting. Yeah. When it and I completely understand that as a concept, but as John said, I think. They, to pull that off and to do that well is a lot harder yeah. and I think than to, to be down in the mud and make the world look shit and grim. And one really crucial way they do it is through um, Andy Dufresne's sort of con- mental constitution. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a key um, uh, thing to, or reason why the movie is uh, so widely appealing because people uh, sort of can, re- can relate to what he's going, for, going through. Going through and they look up to the yeah. mental strength that he's got. Correct. Yeah. And they, they can Which appreciate throughout sort the of, whole um, piece. Yeah, like maintaining that um uh, that belief of hope and the possibility of happiness through, you know, rape, murder, incarceration. Yeah. It's something that the I feel like a, a, lot as of, well. a lot of people would wish that they had the, the, the mental constitution of Andy Frame. Yeah. I think many people would, mm. but it's something that you could admire. And I think that's another reason why it's such a popular film. Exactly. And yeah. that's what everyone, it's a universal idea really, yeah. which is I had a, lovely. I had a thought about Andy's whole scheme this time. And I was wondering if this had occurred to you guys before, how flimsy is that scheme in terms of, possibly being discovered at any given moment. He sends himself to the hole on two different occasions when he could have avoided it, right? Yeah. There's the where he breaks into the office and plays the uh, the opera. And then there's the Smash part when he, when he calls um, when he calls the warden obtuse. And yeah. he had a moment, he had a chance to get out of that, but then he doubles down and goes into the hole for a month. Why didn't they flip his cell when he was in the hole? Why didn't they go in and say, as punishment, I'm also going to take down your Rita Hayworth poster, which has become, since become a uh, poster of, uh, uh, what's her name from the... <laughs> uh, it's, um, is it Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? No, no it's what it's, uh, her name is escaping me right now from... Anyway, um, the last poster that he has. Like also, any, of the, any of those posters, if they decided to tear it down at any time, they would have seen this massive hole, and that put, would have been it. Putting his faith <laughs> in the chance that Red is going to remember the name Zayu Watanayu. They've had one conversation about it, and Red gets in, uh, to or the... Or the um, spelling of the word. Yeah, to, <laughs> to that, uh, like, rock, and he lifts up. He's like, oh, you remember the name of the town. <laughs> you talked about it once. That we saw... Maybe it's Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they deleted the scene when well, he were in shows him Zaya Watanayu. They were in prison together for 20 years. <laughs> I, I Googled Zaya Watanayu last night, and the beaches at Zaya Watanayu are currently shut down because of um, toxic stuff in the waters. Ah. Do oh, well, but, but, but for those guys, that was, that was like 60 years ago. Those guys are dead by now. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, if, if we're talking about why, why people think this movie is a great movie, um, and, and I think it is. A, a great movie. So uh, there's this uh, quote by Howard Hawks, yeah. the famous film director, who says, a great movie is it's like four great scenes yeah. and no bad right. scenes. Right. You think about Shawshank, I don't think there's any bad scenes. No. But there's the marriage of Figaro scene, the bashing of the fat guy, the beers on the roof, the escape scene, uh, you know, just off the top of my head. And it's like, 
those are four great mm. scenes. And there's more than that, you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. um, the scene when um, uh, Billy gets shot. Um, and I can't think of any... The Brooks montage yeah, the Bro- also. The Brooks the... montage, exactly. Yeah, that's great. And I think there's weak, short film in itself. There, yeah. there's weak elements to the film, like a couple of characters here and there and a, a few of the performances, I think. Um, uh, but there's only bad scenes. Yeah. I have an explanation. There's a lot of great also. ones. I think I also have an explanation, which is a little bit... Uh, I don't love to, to put this out there in the world because, um, because I don't want it to denigrate people's feelings about it or my own feelings about it. But I think the people who have elevated... Um, this to the number one on IMDb are also the people whose whose favorite films are like The Dark Knight and The Avengers and a couple of the other really popular ones. And this is the theory I got about it. They realize that they can't say, "Oh, my my, my favorite film is The Dark Knight," you know, <laughs> because because they they have aspirations toward this kind of cinephile credibility. So Shawshank uh, is the one okay. that they love because hmm. they say because everyone loves Shawshank. So I mean, not everyone. Well, there's the there's the the, the snobs that I referred to before who, mm. who look down on, it and probably some other reasonable people who who have objections to it. But I think that this is really hit with the with the um, with the guys who who love this love the superhero films who have elevated those films up on IMDb. Does that do, do, does that make any sense to you? Yeah, yeah that and makes I think sense. it's a possibility. Yeah, I reckon it's just also like I insult all our listeners. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking about hey, all of this you. Is my, this is my number thirteen film on my on flick chart. So really, so, uh, yeah. So what's your number it. one? Oh, uh, Raising Arizona. And there's oh, actually wow. a Raising Arizona comparison with this film that I made in my notes. What's both fil- both films, people are repeatedly going up for parole. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I just think there's something to be said about um, universal stories, and uh, yep. they're impressive. Um, I think they're really impressive, and I, I like. I think there's something interesting about not having to, um, like we were saying, just not dislike films because they're simple or because they're popular. I think that's a really important thing to state. It is, yeah. and, isn't it? And, that, and, and that's why I rejected it when I was younger and just being a bit of a you know pretentious jerk was I didn't want to admit that Shawshank Redemption is a great movie because mm. everyone else liked it. Yeah. But the more, you know, it, it's it's a great movie. You shouldn't be looking for reasons why something you love isn't good. Correct. I don't think I love Shawshank Redemption, but yeah. I think it's a great movie. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I think maybe the only reason I don't love it now is because I watched it to death when I was young. Yeah. And now, like, when I was watching it this time... I mean, I was just anticipating every word. Yeah. So how can you really get an emotional well, response from a yeah. film like? Well, I actually yeah. watched it just on my own two years ago. So which 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 had been my first time in about ten years. So I so I think this viewing wasn't quite as potent for me as the one two years ago. But I remember two years ago. Yeah. I actually went. I actually watched it specifically to kind of um, wrestle with it. And I wrote a post on my own blog called "The Uncool Favorite" about this, about how it's like a favorite film that a lot of people admit, but but no one feels cool saying that it's their favorite film because there's something about it that is too is too perfect in some way because it is it's kind of a perfect film in a yeah. lot of ways but there's something about that like that that makes it uh, it, it doesn't have kind of hip, a hip factor to it, you know. Mm. It's maybe it's maybe it's a bit square because it's so it does what it does so well. Yeah, no. Nah, that I, it's like it's like uh, you know someone would 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 prefer to say their favorite film is one that 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 tries dramatically and fails spectacularly yeah. in certain ways, but is great in other ways, you know. But and that it, that's not this film. Well, I think it, it's oh, simple. Just uh, for me, always the, the key to filmmaking has always just been like just. Whatever story you want to tell, just do that and go yeah. for it. If you if you think about everything else about it, like the one of the films that I always think about as well is um, uh, the perks of being a wallflower. Mm. And the reason I think about that film all the time is because it's not 
perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it just goes for gold and just goes balls out. This is what we're trying to do. And it's unapologetic about that. And I think that that's the same for yeah, sure. I, love yeah. I seem to remember liking it when I watched it as well. Una- unapologetic about mm-hmm. being like, this is what we want to do. And they do it. Mm-hmm. And they do it better than any most other films. Now, and what's Frank Darabont made since he, did he make The Green Mile? He made The Green Mile. And he made The Mist. The Mist, the which, Mist. I, which I hate. And he, sta- and he started uh, The Walking Dead. But yeah. then left. And yeah. He, yeah. Anything else? He hasn't done much. He sort of um, just dropped off. Bit of an enigma. Yeah, yeah. I don't know much about him. The Green Mile really. was okay, but nothing special. I didn't actually the Majestic see, I didn't actually was crap. It. I love The Mist. Um, I don't did like he use The Mist Majestic? Ever? Yeah. With Jim Carrey? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, There'll be one more title in there that we aren't thinking of, but... But yeah, he's kind of an interesting. We're not an encyclopedia, and I love I love The Walking Dead. Not here to uh, well. you know the, up to where he did was I thought was money. Well, he did the first two seasons, didn't he? Yeah, I, if you're the only the, two I watched, and I didn't like him. No. When the little girl comes out of the barn, that really just killed me. That mm. was, and it was funny. I feel like The Walking Dead had um, feelings of. Um, that does not of Shawshank to it as well. But it's not. That's not very helpful. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is, it, is it's just simple character, not simple characters, but I'm just archetypes. Happy. Not just more the concept of just being happy with a simple and life. the zombies. <laughs> of course, <laughs> there's zombies in, uh, in Shawshank also. Right? But yeah, the character type of just being happy with a simple life, and this is what I want with my life, and. I don't want to aspire to much more than now, that. This isn't our top three, in, and this isn't scheduled, but off the top of your head, could you tell me your favourite scene from Short Hang? I think the uh, scene on the roof. Okay. I love that scene. I don't know. There's something. I, I, this is the first answer that came to me right now. I love the scene where he discovers, the, the, finds the box in the field because he keeps on looking over his shoulder to see if anyone else is around. Like he can't believe this is happening to him. Red at the end. Yeah, yeah. And I, he's I, spent I don't know his why whole else. life sort of looking, you know, like yeah. being guarded. There's, he finds yeah. money in an envelope and he just looks around like, is anyone around going to see this? Or like, like, I found this note. I had to get to Andy. Is anyone going to see me? And it's, I, I don't know why. That's just the first thing that struck me. Because that kicks in the the ending that I just, uh, just gets me every time. So, Yours? Am I going? Oh, uh, I'd have to say, gee, if it was, if the, my favorite wasn't in it, it'd have to be the Marriage of Figaro scene when he plays um, the opera over the loudspeaker. Mm. Um, but the bit, like this, the, my favorite is um, the when he when he's in the rain at the end, mm. and it was the only scene that really elicited much of a response out of me last night. I literally sat up and pumped my fist. Mm. It's mm. one of the most uplifting yeah. scenes. Mm-hmm. It, it's just it such, like, five such miles a good of moment. <laughs> just that the music and the rain and the look on his face. It's well, like, then the then the following montage of the yeah, downfall yeah. of the warden and it's, the, and it's the just, guard. You yeah. can feel that twenty years of bullshit. He just like <laughs> had to go through yeah. and like oh, yeah. Um, what else are we going to talk about? Shawshank. <laughs> You, I thought you were winding it up. Am I? Sh- should it. I wind up? <laughs> well, I don't know what you would do. We've got our top three. Should we, we'll move on to our top three. Oh, yeah. Um, Derek, so we're going to do top three Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. Like Derek's suggestion, because I always forget to um, think of what we should do, and then Derek is on my case, which is a good thing. If yeah. I, you didn't do it, then we wouldn't have it at all. Well, I think there's going to be a lot of overlap in this. So I excluded one obvious choice, because I wanted, there was one other one that wasn't so obvious that I wanted to mention, and that's my first one here, which is uh, David Cronenberg's film The Dead Zone from, I think, 1983. Christopher Walken is the star. Um, you may, I don't know if you ever remember it. Uh, it's the thing where when he touches somebody, he sees their future. Um, because oh, yeah, he had yeah. this brain brain injury where he was in a coma for years. And they, they had a funny parody of it on Saturday Night Live once around that time when when he would Christopher Walken would shake somebody's hand and say, you have a car, 
could I have a ride home? <laughs> like he's about to give them like a premonition of some terrible thing involving the car and ask for a ride home. Anyway, it's it's one of my favorite Cronenberg films because it's Derek's it's old. really it's really understated. It's really um, a, a fascinating film about a guy who it basically he ends up discovering uh, that there's a, a presidential candidate what? who, not unlike Donald Trump, is probably is is going to try to ruin ruin the world. Well, and, it's back in the year of Pete Cronenberg too. Pete Cronenberg? Pete. Peak. <laughs> I thought you were talking about his... <laughs> his, his, uh, his lesser-known brother, his lesser-known Pete. lesser-known brother, Pete Cronenberg. <laughs> Who is an underrated master. <laughs> well, he does da- have a, David got all the credit. He does have a son that makes films too, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's my number three. My number two is, uh, I think, going to show up on a couple other of your lists here. It's uh, Misery, uh, the Rob Reiner film from 1990, which is... Um, terrific uh basically a two-hander really with just uh kathy bates and um and uh james Kahn, Kahn. um and stuck in stuck in the house in 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 colorado after his uh car accident uh brilliant acting terrific ramping up of the tension that was a great introduction to um kathy bates and it, it kind of uh, ended or, or almost ended a, a streak of brilliance by Rob Reiner that I've actually referenced on this pop, podcast before. My, my oh, number sorry. one is the, is the, is the one is another one that's going to probably appear again. It's the shining. Um, even though Stephen King wasn't actually happy with, uh, Kubrick's adaptation of this and, uh, had to make his own TV movie version of it in the late 1990s starring Stephen Weber. Uh, the one that which we'll, was huge. And yes, everyone which remembers was, it well. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, uh, you, you can't, uh, argue with, uh, the craftsmanship of, of Kubrick in that film. It's just absolutely insane. <laughs> All right, Blakey, you can go. Well, I mean, <laughs> you need me to, you know. I need a direct- cue. Okay. Yeah. Blakey, so um, what are your top three Stephen King? Well, thank you, John. <laughs> now that we've finished with Derek's. Um, now, well, I, uh, I was just going to consciously, like, I obviously love The Shining as well. Um, we've already mentioned that. And that film was one of the all-time greats, but I was also, because there are so many adaptations, I kind of wanted to just like... So you're, you're not including looking. The Shining? Uh, well, yes, no, I am going to include The Shining in my top in my top three, but because I've already mentioned Have it. you started your top three? No, this is I your third? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to start with, uh, I remember seeing not this Not The Shining. Film. Yeah. <laughs> my third one being um, Dreamcatcher. I don't know if you guys watched that at all. That really scared. Oh boy! <laughs> that, the only reason I've seen that movie is because they showed the animatrix in front of it, and I was obsessed with it. Dreamcatcher is appalling. No, oh, have you, have, when was the last time you God. watched that? Okay, to be fair, it was two thousand and three when I. Oh, when was the yeah. last time oh, you watched God. this film? That was my that was my last ranked film of that when year. When was the last time you watched it? <laughs> that time. Oh my God! It is, I was a kid when I watched that. That scared Look, the there's hell some scary, out of me. There's some scary shit in that cabin with the yeah, that's fucking the thing scary coming out of the toilet. Shit. I'll give you that. But didn't someone famous direct that? Uh, yes, and I'll think of it in a minute. Come on, Derek. Lawrence Kasdan? Yes, you're right. Lawrence yes. Kasdan. God, yeah. Joe. That's why we keep Derek around. <laughs> anyway, Dreamcatch is not really in my three, but I wanted to... Me- Wait. Well, hang on. <laughs> the Shining's definitely my th- in my three. I'm like, running out of time. I know we're running out of time, but I just wanted to me- mention Dreamcatcher. Remember when we didn't know what to talk like about? This is what we're talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> Dreamcatcher definitely deserves a shoe-in, is my point, and I knew because we were gonna, someone was going to mention The Shining. I didn't really want to mention it again, kind of like. Okay, okay. Does okay, that make okay. sense? Yeah. And also Shawshank's in there, but we've just spent 20 minutes talking about Shawshank, so I don't really want to talk about Shawshank Derek, anymore. Not Derek Blakey. What's your, top th- what's your <laughs> third in your top three? I'll give you the one that I left out. No, I, yeah, well, I, I was going to ch- talk about that one as well. I was going to talk about Stand By Me, obviously, which is another obvious... Is it your third? Well, I don't know, I don't know my list because... It, all right, so the list would be The Mist... There's going to be a test later the on. The Mist, so. Shining, and Shawshank. But because we just talked about the... Um, 
Shawshank, and because we're talking, we've already talked about The Shining. I wanted to talk about Dreamcatcher. Talk about the mist. You, you didn't talk about the mist. Yet. The mist is fantastic. No, I'm happy to talk about the mist. <laughs> mist. All right, let's talk about the mist. Um, you, I know that you didn't like. We've run out of time. That was it. All we ever. I know that you didn't like the mist much. From uh, I didn't. I didn't mind. I oh, like the. It's ending. me. I hate yeah. it. Oh, you hate yeah, it. I hate it. I, I knew one of you hated it, but I love that. Sorry, I still love you so, though. So so much, um, especially because the ending. Um, the ending is great. So yeah. the concept of the ending, which really just blew my mind, and apparently, Stephen, which is a deviation from the from the well, short, yeah. Stephen uh, King novel. himself yeah. said that he wished that he had come up with that ending, wow. um, and that's why I love it so I much. Beg and to it differ. scared the hell out of me. Mm. Um, just most of that film was in a supermarket with these fucking aliens, and it was creepy as sin. These and then at the end, fucking aliens. And then at the end, and then at the end, when he had to shoot, he shot his son. Um, and that's what I love so much yeah, about the, the film great. is that the woman was saying, you need to sacrifice your son for this to be over. You need to sacrifice your son for this to be over. And he goes, no, no, no. And then cause he thinks they're all going to die anyway. He kills his son. And as soon as he kills his son, it's over. And now we've and, spoiled. And here's your belated spoiler alert. For the bits. <laughs> if you haven't been this, sorry. We actually do have to move on because we're running out of time. Uh, you, John. Luckily, I, I think didn't get my other two. Your top three. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, I think we've talked about it on uh, Misery is my third. Yep. Shawshank, which we talked about tonight, is my second. And The Shining is my first. You guys pretty much summed up everything. Oh, uh, I love like Shawshank. Shawshank would have been my number one. Yeah, yeah. I excluded oh, it. Oh, so you're that oh, you're yeah. excluded. Oh, if I'm right. being honest, I've been really busy organizing the festival and the wedding, and I just didn't have time. So I did this festival. Was that, John? The Real Good Film Festival, which is coming in two weeks. No, one week one time week. at uh, Schoolhouse Studios in Collingwood. The date uh, is be there third or and fourth be of uh, uh, March. Social event of the year. We'll see you there, all four listeners. <laughs> um, all right, lads, last thoughts on uh, Shawshank Plaguey. Um, yeah, well, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think it was it was obviously not appreciated in its time. It became pretty By quickly popular. appreciated. Yeah. I thought, yeah. But I also feel like with the Oscars, it wasn't yep. appreciated as much as it should be. I think Morgan Freeman probably should have won for that. Yep. Um, and that he forever had to catch up trying to get that Oscar. 94 is a pretty crazy year, both Shawshank and Pulp Fiction. And you know who won Best Picture? Forrest, Forrest Gump. Gump. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Forrest Gump. <laughs> uh, have you got any thoughts or was that your thought? That was my thought. Uh, what are my final thoughts? I don't know. It's a great film. And I think um, it deserves, uh, I think, the attention it gets. Uh, and I don't think it deserves the poor, negative attention it gets. Here, here. Um, well, that's all for this episode. Yes. Thanks, Blakey. Thank you, John. And thank you, Derek. I'll see you on the other side. Uh, we'll be back, you know, in a couple of weeks with another episode. Maybe about Logan, which I saw the other day at night and I loved it. But you guys haven't seen it yet. See ya. Bye.